Hello, and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, we're joined by a writer and co-producer on the Netflix original series, On My Block, and was previously executive story editor on ABC's hit comedy, The Good Place. He got to start working as a PA, writer's PA, writer's assistant, and showrunner's assistant on various shows, such as 12 Monkeys, Galavant, and The Client List. He is Christopher Ensel. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Hi, Kevin. How's it going? Good. So, Chris, uh, I wanted to start off the interview um, with how you got your start in television uh, and what inspired you initially to want to work in the industry. I guess we'll start with that first. Uh, What inspired you to want to work in Hollywood? Um, What inspired me to want to work in Hollywood? Uh, Great question. well, I'm not going to try to bring down the podcast, but um, I was, <laughs> my, my, my parents, my parents were like going through uh, a divorce when I was younger, and you know, like a lot of people have to say that like television was their babysitter, but like television eventually like became like my parents while my mm. parents were going through all that stuff, and I just became fascinated by movies and TV, like, um, you know, like that the whole Thursday comedy block of musty TV was like Friends, Seinfeld, and then all those like little shows that didn't last in between like Carolina and the city and the single guy, all that stuff kind of got me through all of that. Um, and uh, there was really no other option for me. There was nothing else I ever imagined myself doing. Um, so that, that made it very clear to me what I like uh, wanted to do. And then figuring out the road to that was just the actual hard part. Right. Um, So I guess that leads into our next question was, how did you actually end up uh, getting your start in television, not necessarily as a writer, but sort of your first jobs uh, that sort of, you know, as your pathway into the industry? Yeah, um, you know, I, I remember in at the end of high school, I kind of asked my guidance counselor, like, okay, what do I need to do uh, to like, basically be a TV writer? And I came from this like small town called Raleigh uh, in uh, kind of, it's like, like kind of a border town, like border of like Mexico and California. Oh. And she was like, I have no idea. And then I was like, Oh crap. Uh, all right. And this is like, pre- this predated like all the cool podcasts that you guys have now. And like, like even like save the cat didn't exist. There was nothing that like told you what to do. I just knew like all of the hub of it was in LA. So I was like, okay, I'll just kind of gravitate towards LA. So, um, after I graduated college, um, Orange County is fuller, uh, California State University Fullerton. Mm-hmm. Um, I came out here. I was like, okay, I'll just like write a bunch. Somebody awesome will read my script, and then boom, I'm like on a TV show. <laughs> uh, again, I had no connections. Uh, everyone I talked to, like my friends from college and my friends from high school, they were like, yeah, that makes sense. Just do that because uh, no one had done it before, and nobody knew like the ins and outs of like what you had to do. Um, and so once I moved here, I was like, okay, well uh, let's see what entry level jobs are. And then like a bunch of people had told me to apply to be an NBC page, you know, kind of what like Kenneth was and 30 rock. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll apply for that. So I applied to do that. Uh, and that's a process that can either take like six months to like two years to get through. Cause there's, I mean, a million people wanted to do that at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause 30 rock was like at its peak of popularity and, um, it's a good entry level job and everybody wants it. So I was kind of waiting around doing these like really terrible jobs in between. I like, I worked at the Dr. Phil show, which was a really sad place to work because everyone's really <laughs> sad on the show. 
Um, and kind of like just writing, 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 and then slowly, literally running out of money. And one day my mom uh, called me and she was like, Chris, I've solved all of your money issues. I was like, oh, thank God. What, are you giving me any money? And she was like, no. She's like, you need to go on the Wheel of Fortune. And uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, and she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, uh, you'll just like apply. At the end of every episode, they just say you can apply online and then boom, you're on. I was like, yeah, but everybody sees that. That's like the most popular game show on television. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I watch it every day. So you're definitely going to get on. I was like, you watching it has nothing to do with me getting on. And then, um, basically, I applied. And before hearing anything from the NBC Page program, I got on to the Wheel of Fortune and won a bunch of money. And Wow. Uh, Your mom yeah, is a... Mom, wow. Yeah, she was right. Um, and it was really crazy. It was like 22 minutes changed like my situation completely. And then I just had more time to write. And I wasn't as worried about like, getting that NBC page thing. And, uh, and then the NBC page thing came through and I was an NBC page and it was amazing. Um, and that kind of led to um, other jobs that were basically like, uh, I got a writer's PA job on this show called in plain sight for USA. And that was my first like actual, like uh, job on a television show. And the showrunner was uh, Ed Dechter who had written movies like uh, there's, uh, there's something about Mary and uh, the Santa Claus two and I was like obsessed with something about Mary. So this is like a huge deal for me. And he was a great person that championed all the like assistants on the show to like really be writing all the time and right. never, never be lazy, never like stop. And like, uh, just always writing, always reading books, always writing. And I was like, okay, I'll do all that. So like, I kind of just like wrote like crazy was reading all these books that I had never had any interest in just cause I was like, yeah, I just gotta, just gotta do that thing. Uh, what's that, the other thing that Stephen King says is like good writers should always be reading or whatever. And, um, that was, that was advice that Ed had too. So I just kind of did that like crazy and, um, uh, was this, an assistant on a bunch of shows that kind of were like underseen by people. And, uh, I kept thinking, Oh, this will get another season. And then I'll be like bumped up to like staff writer. And then those shows would keep getting canceled, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, this happens all the time. Yeah. And, um, so then I just kept moving, moving. Uh, and then I was an assistant for like five years. And by like the fifth year, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be, this is like terrible advice for somebody that's starting out, but uh, always do a good job. But I was like, okay, I gotta like, I gotta dial this whole being a great assistant back, like from like being a hundred percent to like maybe like 85. Cause there's, mm -hmm. there's certain people who will like, if you're a really good assistant, they're not going to promote you. Cause like, they're never going to be able to replace you. And right. I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to be a worse assistant. And again, terrible advice, full disclosure, like full disclaimer, like that's not good advice. But I was like, maybe like my like weird attitude will like, <laughs> I, I was basically like, I was like, let me be more like April Ludgate on Parks and Rec. And like, maybe this attitude will like kind of catch people off guard and they'll be like, damn, this guy's funny. Right. Um, and that totally did not work. <laughs> um, people were just like, wow, you're, you're, you're always in a really weird mood. I was like, Oh, uh, and it just, it wasn't working for me. Um, luckily I was at this point, I'd been here for like six years and I was on like my 12th pilot and, uh, just, I think finally getting a grasp on like what my voice was and like figuring out like, uh, just how to be like a better writer. You know, it's all like kind of like R and D where you're just, uh, just figuring it out and like 
getting through all your bad stuff so you can actually get to the good stuff if there is ever any good stuff and who's to say if it's good or not but um yeah just just figuring out like who I was as a writer and I finally kind of got to that point and felt good about my writing and um started sending it out to potential managers and found a manager that I really enjoyed and then that led to getting an agent and then um and then a bunch of other stuff happened uh that's a long long-winded way of answering your question about how I got my first job. So basically, you, yeah. based on the advice of your mother, you won Wheel of Fortune and took a bunch of yep. jobs, and now you are a big writer-producer on TV shows. Okay, got it. Um, yeah. You you are the first person, though, that, uh, and, and we'll get into it in just a second, though, that you're the first person that I've ever spoken to that actually applied to fellowships, got into a fellowship, uh, yeah. and turned it down. <laughs> right yeah because well, when, you you yeah, got a job yeah when you say it like that it sounds like i was <laughs> so unappreciative um but yeah yeah um i you when you first get out here and like you're an assistant everyone is always telling you oh you got to apply for the fellowships you got to apply for the fellowships um and um i'm i'm also uh i'm half mexican half caucasian so like um if you're full caucasian a lot of these fellowships will not take you so just that is also a warning for everybody. Um, but I, unless you're a so woman, I think that I think fe- women can apply regardless, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, no, everyone can apply. It's just like the realistic. Sure. Getting. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, I was like, oh, I'm like a shoe in. Like, uh, I'll definitely get in. And I was just like getting denied, denied, denied all across the board. Um, and like, I think my third year in, I was like, how do I? like go at this a different angle. And my different angle is basically finding out the people who ran the fellowships and actually like establishing relationships with them by like just emailing them to say hi and then asking them to go out for coffee, which like made a huge difference because all of a sudden I wasn't just some name on a page that was um, just submitting. I was this like person that they had a face to and they had maybe, you know, a decent relationship with. Um, and that got me into the finals for the ABC Disney, um, writing fellowship. And then I got through the final round, got in, you kind of get, um, you get told you're in over Christmas break. Um, mm-hmm. and then the program starts like at the end of the following January. So you kind of have a month of just being like, Ooh, I'm in the program. I can just hang out. And like, it kind of gives you time to like quit your regular job or do, you know, get everything settled because this program is going to last like a full year. And, um, they also say, they said like something that like really caught me off guard. They were like in the next month or whatever, tell your agents not to set you up on any meetings, uh, for staffing. And I was like, okay. And I just kind of said, okay, but I was like, well, I'm definitely not doing that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, and then over that, over that month of gestation of waiting, my agent had gotten me a meeting with Mike Schur, uh, for season two of the good place. And I was like, well, I'm definitely going to take the meeting. Um, and uh, it wasn't my first staffing meeting, but it was like definitely the biggest in my mind. And I was very nervous, but at the same time, um, you know, I think when you get when you get meetings, when you get regular interviews that you really want, or you get, you know, if you're lucky enough to get a staffing job on something you uh, interview that you really want, you kind of get in your head and you like, you're just thinking thinking about all the things that can go wrong and thinking about how you like really want to work there or really want this to go right. And before meeting Mike, 
I think in my head, I was like, well, I have the ABC Disney thing. So like, you know, I'm kind of playing with house money, which is like, just get out of your own head and relax and be yourself. Right. And in the meeting, I was just very relaxed and myself instead of like, oh my God, I'm I'm in front of Mike. Uh, And then I got the job, which was amazing. And it it was my first staffing experience in my entire life. And um, then I had to tell Disney that I couldn't do the program, which was a real bummer. And they were bad, but they were very supportive. Um, and, you know, the, the whole goal of theirs is to find you a staffing job. So me getting it on my own was like a huge win for them anyway. And we're all still friends. So it's, it's very nice. Well, that's good. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I've never heard a story like that, but that's pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. Be- it was- Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Everyone should apply to the program. It's a great program, and yeah. um, it really changes a lot of people's lives. Uh, and yeah, go apply. Well, and the Disney program, unlike a lot of the other programs, is uh, full time and paid. Uh, a lot of them otherwise yeah. are, are just you know two nights a week or something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's an entire year, and um, they have a really good uh, rate of getting people on shows. I think it's like ninety percent, or a lot of the time it's a hundred percent of getting every fellow onto a, a show, whether that's you know, a Disney plus thing, an ABC studio show or uh, something else on their network. Um, Now, before you got your first gig, your staff gig on The Good Place, um, how many pilots or scripts do you think you had written by that point? Because you would mention, you know, by working on different shows as an assistant and being encouraged to just be prolific and continue writing. You said it had helped you find your voice. So how long did it take you, do you think, before you found your voice? And, and how long? How many scripts had you written before you got your first job? Paid job. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. This, when, when I first came out here, people were like, write specs. This is like right before people had transitioned to just write pilots. So right. I had written a lot of specs because a lot of those fellowships also just took those. So I wrote, um, I probably wrote like seven specs. I wrote like four movies and maybe like eight pilots. Um, and there, I mean, there was, there was, uh, a lot of good stuff in those, in all of those things. But a lot of it was like, Oh, this guy's still really kind of figuring it out. And it's, it's true. Like, I mean, the only way to get good, I, I feel if you're just starting out is just like, right, right, right. And then, get feedback and all, all feedback from whether it's your grandmother, your friends, uh, a high level producer, it's all, it's all good to get. Cause everyone has a different perspective on like everything. So I like taking um, kind of notes from across the board. And um, you know, I think the, when I say finding my voice, it's really like finding something that like is, there's a piece of me inside of it, which mm-hmm. um, people kind of relate to more when they're reading you and you're like going out for general meetings or going out for staffing meetings. It's like, why did you, Chris, write this pilot? And uh, I think uh, for a, lot, a long time, I had kind of, um, I was just like writing something I thought would be cool or people would want to see. And I wasn't writing the thing that like I wanted to see or the thing 
that like really said something about my own life. And once I started doing that, I think it kind of opened up um, new opportunities, new windows for me as a writer. Right. So I wrote a lot. Yeah. No, that's great. And that's something that I think a lot of, you know, emerging writers, a lot of newer writers don't sort of understand. It's, it's that whole, what is they call What do they call it? The Briggs something. When The less you know, the more you don't realize you don't know. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and only by yeah. doing it for a prolonged period of time and doing a number of different scripts, do you realize that you're continually learning and continually growing. Just when you think, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good at this. You realize that there's still a long way to go until you finally, like oh. you said, you find your voice and it's like, okay, now I kind of understand it. Those past four scripts or eight scripts or whatever it was, I really didn't know, even though I thought I kind of knew. Yes, yes. And I, and I, even when you like, like even now, I'm just like, oh man, I still, when I'm like starting something new, I'm just like, oh my God, it's like I forgot everything I learned and I'm a fraud. Like when is somebody going to knock on my door and be like, give us the WGA card back. Like you don't belong here. Uh, so it's like, you're not, you're always, you know, I mean, I'm not like Aaron Sorkin who's like super confident and like, I'm like, God, get, I'm more like, uh, you know, still figuring it out. And there's so hopefully there's still a long road in my career. And I hope to just like keep figuring things out and I'm curious about everything. So I just want to like get better every day. So hopefully I can continue doing that. Well, honestly, I think for, for the most part, it's the individuals who don't think that they have much to learn, that, you know, they're so confident of their abilities. Those, I think, are the right. ones that tend to have issues because of the fact that, uh, you know, they think that everything they write is gold and either right. they have problems collaborating because they are so sort of set in their ways or they're so far yeah. behind, they don't realize what they don't know. And it, it affects their writing. Um, sure, definitely. And uh, I heard a story. Uh, I might have mentioned it before on the podcast, but it might have been. It was probably a long time ago. It was Vince Gilligan. I had heard that Vince Gilligan is the same way you are in terms of like always sort of doubting. Am I? Is this right? Is this? Am I getting this right? Is you know? And yeah. the, the man is a genius. And so right. for someone like Vince Gilligan to sort of have the same self-doubt in terms of his writing, uh, you know, th there's no reason for the rest of us not to have those same doubts because that, that man uh, definitely knows what yeah, he's doing. Definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's part of being a writer too. Like, it's just like, you should have self-doubt. If you don't, then there's maybe something wrong with you. Right. Um, or you're Aaron Sorkin, which very few of us are. Or you're Sorkin, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so, okay, now going back to uh, writing and, and your process, when, uh -huh. you, when you're starting um, a new pilot, how do you decide that's the idea that you're going to run with? Because, I mean, I, I'm sure as a writer you have a dozen ideas floating around your head in various states of, of, of development. Yeah. How do you decide, okay, this is the one I'm going to run with because... I think it has one, the potential Two, it speaks to me three, you know, whatever, what, how do you work through that through your head into figuring out what it is you're going to write? Um, for me, I think it's like the idea that like won't get out of my head. Mm. Like I have, uh, I kind of have cards on a wall of like, um, ideas and like what, like cert 
certain scripts, like uh, like I have a basketball show, I have a show about like a imaginary friend, like uh, like things like that on cards, and then I'm looking at them and like, wh- which one's like really jumping out to me, and like which is the one I really want to write at this moment in my life, and I think that's the one I kind of uh, choose to do. Um, so, uh, and then then I'll like kind of start seeing. I have a weird process of like I try to see. This doesn't work for television, but like movie trailer moments in the script and like what moments, what moments in those ideas are like exciting and important. And can I like already visualize before I even write a word? And then I think about that. And then like, if I have enough of those from that one idea, then I'm like, okay, let's go. And then, then we go. Right. Um, when I, when I was younger and like much, uh, much greener, I wouldn't outline or write out. I wouldn't card out anything. I would just, jump in the FDX and like go to town on some scenes. And like, if like three scenes weren't working, I'd be like, I would just throw the whole thing away. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I like one, I have, a, I have a script that like gets me a lot of meetings and stuff. And that was the opening of that was basically like, I, I love James Bond and like spy movies and like mission impossible. And you know when like the bad guy, or sorry, you know when like the hero is always like tied up, and the bad guy's just talking about how he's like uh, going to kill him, but he never kills him, and the good guy just gets out and somehow like saves the day. Right. I I like wanted I all I wanted to do was write this scene that was like, what if the good guy doesn't? He's like talking a bunch of smack about how he's gonna like untie himself and like kick the bad guy's butt, and the bad guy just murders him, and that is the end <laughs> of the cold open. And, like that's. That was the end of the cold open, and then, like, people loved that. And I was like, yeah, great. Uh, I really, like, had to make up the rest of the next 30 pages because all I had was an opening. But then um, <laughs> sometimes sometimes people just read the first five pages. So if you can make those first five pages, like, really sing, uh, that could get you somewhere. But right. please finish the script. If somebody turns page five and there's nothing on page six, that's also a problem. <laughs> uh, that's a big problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's my process. I think the thing that like won't get out of my head is what makes me want to write that idea. And my managers will be like, then why are you on a podcast? You should be writing. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, how would you say you've grown as a writer since you typed your first fade in? Uh, that's a great question. I think, like, uh, yeah, p- kind of piggybacking on that last story where it's, like, I used to just, like, jump right into it. I definitely kind of, like, think out the character arcs more and, like, you really uh, – I used to really be super hardcore about, like, the act-out, and that really – now with the, like, emergence of streaming – you don't really have to worry about that. I would definitely worry more about like the ending of your show. If you're going to like write for a streaming show since everything kind of skips credits and jumps right into the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a writer, I think it's just kind of like, you know, I used to kind of, I used to kind of gravitate more towards just getting to the joke and it just being joke, 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 joke. Uh, and now it's more like, you know, like, what is the story we're kind of telling and like, how does it serve the characters? And, um, when I was first starting out, a lot of my jokes, like any character in the scripts could have said those jokes. And that was like a problem that I like had to figure out. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And now it's like that any joke I pitch has to like organically breathe from that character. So like that was, that was a big, uh, that was a big hurdle for me. Cause I just, the whole reason I wanted to be a comic writer, I was like, I just want to be funny. And then I was like, Oh yeah, you got to like tell a story. And then so figuring that out was, uh, that was, yeah, that was a big leap. But, um, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm better at that now. Right. Um, so, um, working your way up from the ground level from mm -hmm. PA all the way up through the writer's ranks to writer's assistant, showrunner's assistant, uh, and actually getting, uh, promoted, although you didn't get promoted on the same show, but actually getting uh, an opportunity as a staff writer. And then obviously moving up from there, what do you think you, what types of things did you learn? What are the valuable lessons or you learned from working as an assistant that you think benefit you now, uh, you know, assuming you hadn't, you know, as opposed to, I should say, as opposed to not having had that experience, you know, because some people like go through the fellowship and they end up on staff, but you've had, you know, spent what, five or six years as an assistant. What are some of the things that, that you learned that sort of have helped you and uh, current, you know, continue to help you in your career? Um, one thing is like, just be super grateful and courteous to everybody, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I feel like everyone that works in television is kind of like the luckiest person on the planet because they get to like do what they love. And um, I think a lot of people kind of lose track of that sometimes because like, you know, the hours can be long. You could be there for like 16 hours or, you know, like sometimes the story isn't working and sometimes like your idea for an episode isn't working, but it's not like, it's not anything bad about you it's more like you know the showrunner doesn't think that is like the route we should go and you know you should always just remember to have perspective and like this is every, every day when I wake up I'm like oh I'm getting to do like the dream that I always wanted to do since I was like a little child watching Seinfeld from my couch so um, just keeping that in mind at all times is important be, uh, be nice to everybody because like I remember when I was assistant so many people were just kind of like me, not mean to me, but like, you know, just kind of didn't care. Cause they were like, Oh, who's this PA? Like, just get my lunch. He's never going to be anything. But like right. everybody, everybody that you interact with every single day could be your boss one day. So be nice to everybody. And that's just like, not even just people you work with, be nice to like the person at Ralph, like be nice to everybody. That's a huge thing that everyone should take away. Um, and yeah, I think, um, you know, just keeping perspective about how lucky we are, because this all, once the streaming wars start, it could all go away. Once people start realizing nobody's watching, uh, just kidding. Hopefully people are watching. I'm watching. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, um, for staffing meetings. Uh, yeah. One of the big things that a lot of, of showrunners will often ask, although in, in various different ways, they may not ask it in the same way, but the, they'll generally ask, what is your superpower? You know what I mean? What is it that you bring to the table that other writers may not? Like, what is it unique about you? Obviously, you're a good writer. I wouldn't have met you. I like your writing. But what is it about you? What's your superpowers? And, and what is yours? 
Oh, okay. Uh, it's, uh, I'll tell you one story before I tell you my actual superpower. Okay. Um, I, I had a meeting at uh, Lord Miller, um, which was like, they were like very uh, inspirational in me getting into comedy because they're so clone high. I was like obsessed with as a younger kid. And I was so nervous for the meeting that this question actually came up, like, what's your superpower? And it, I wasn't even meeting with Phil uh, and Chris. I was just meeting with their creative executive. And I got so nervous in my own head that I said, all of it. And she said, what do you mean all of it? <laughs> and I was like, story, joke, I'm great at whatever you need. And uh, it was the first time that anybody had like emailed my agent and been like, oh, he's terrible. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, oh my God. It was like the first like negative feedback that she had ever heard. And I was just, I was, I don't, I don't know what came over me. And that is not my superpower, all of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> But in the in the moment, I got so scared, uh, and it was a disaster. And I'm like, I still regret that meeting. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna go back there one day and like have something better to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think my actual superpower, I think, is dialogue and um, being able to kind of craft like real words that people would say and how and organically like layer in jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, in like uh, at at the good place, there's so many upper level writers and a lot of people are comedians and like very good personalities. And they're all like so funny that it was as a staff writer and a story editor, like sometimes it was like hard to like get, you know, a few words in um, when we were like really rolling. But uh, at all my block, it was a much smaller staff. And I was like, okay, this is like your opportunity to like really like become this like really loud voice. (laughs) And I think uh, at all my block, I kind of like found my footing and like kind of grew as like, not just a writer, but like, a performer in a sense to like, I would just like kind of like act out my joke in the room. And mm. that kind of like really helped me just get just more confidence. And then like, you know, and everyone was kind of like buying into it. And then I was like, great. So that's, that's pretty much my superpower. Like kind of, kind of pitching my dialogue jokes in the room via a performance. Right. Well, you have a very sort of, casual laid-back style uh your stories are very funny i've obviously been laughing but they don't come across as jokey you know what i mean and i don't mean that in a bad way because they're definitely funny but you know how some people tell jokes and they're very animated and everything is whereas yours is very matter of fact and it it, it, yet so it kind of sneaks up on you how funny it is your stories so uh, I, i could see how that works yeah, if we were in person, you would be, like, laughing your ass off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm actually very animated. Like, you can't see me, but my arms are, like, flowing and gesticulating as I'm talking, and, like, my eyes are doing a lot of crazy things. But uh, oh, no, I just mean, like, yeah, some, yeah. some comedians or, or, you know, some writers, uh, when they're telling a joke, they're almost laughing at their joke as they're telling it. You know what I mean? They're, right, right, right. You can tell a joke is coming because they can barely keep their own laughter in, and yours don't. Right. And I, I find a lot of of comedy much funnier when it's it's less expected. You're not. It doesn't feel like they're necessarily just setting you up, uh, even okay. though you know it's coming as a comedian. You know, you know yeah. something funny is going to about to happen or be told. But anyway, so right. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, of any show, either currently airing or in the past. Which one would you most 
have liked to have worked on? Um, right now, I would say Barry. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I've always been, like, obsessed with Hitman. I'm not even, like... I'm not even <laughs> I've really always been obsessed with Hitman. That's not something I expected yeah. you to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I am so into the idea of, like, people that are just kind of, like, sitting in their apartment, and then it's like, ah, oh, time to go to work, and then they, like, go kill somebody. Right. Um, but... Yeah, and even, like, the improv stuff is fine to me. Like, I don't, like, love that aspect of it, but, like, this season they kind of leaned in to, like, uh, Bill kind of doing, you know, murders on the side uh, for uh, Stephen Root's character, and, mm-hmm. like, I really kind of loved that stuff. There was an episode that didn't have the improv people at all. It was just, like, did you watch the one where he kills that guy in his house and then has to fight the daughter, and then they end up in a grocery store? Yeah. That episode was, like... yeah. That was, like, the best thing I've seen all year. It was so good. And um, it was funny and violent. I think I like funny violence. So, like, kind of like Fargo-ish kind of stuff, like the Coen brothers. How it's, mm-hmm. like, it's always funny even though that person really died. Uh, right. So, yeah, I, I, tend, to, I tend to write uh, stuff similar to that. So I, I really like to work on that one day uh, or something similar. Right. Yeah. Um, Fleabag Flea was also incredible this season. Fleabag is brilliant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fleabag is, is one of those shows that I look at personally and it's like I can't personally find a flaw in it. I, I don't because, you know, with yeah. everything you look at, you're like, oh, I'm, I might have changed this or that joke didn't maybe land is to me anyway. But that show is flawless. She is such so talented, unbelievably talented. Uh, Phoebe waller Yeah. I mean, yeah. And like this, I mean, even Killing Eve again about a hit man. So a hit woman, I guess. But uh Yeah. I, I mean, she's she's incredible, and she's at the peak of her powers. I hope she keeps writing as fast as possible. Yeah, I agree. I want to run by uh, a few quick questions that uh-huh. uh, you don't need a lot of thought. Just first thing that comes to your mind, uh, so we can get a, to know you a little bit better. Um, so, ten quick questions. Uh, number one: What's your favorite movie? Uh, big. Excellent. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What's your favorite TV show? Uh, Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, what Very album? Well, yeah. <laughs> what album, yeah. soundtrack, or genre of music do you listen to most while writing? Uh, great question. Uh, actually, yeah, kind of like sad soundtracks because it's kind of just in the background. Mm. Um, so like the soundtrack from Max Richter uh, for The Leftovers, like season one and two. It's really good, just kind of like background noise but it's also kind of uplifting and sad. Uh, Hans Zimmer stuff too. Um, yeah. And if I'm feeling frisky, like maybe like St. Vincent or, you know, something like LCD sound system. And you're, yeah. you're, you're a comedy writer, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I like, to, yeah, I'm, yeah. I like to lean into sadness and then kind of get some jokes out. Right. The tears of a clown. I got you. Um, there you go. How do you reward yourself or relax after finishing a new script? Great question. My therapist asks all the time and I don't really have anything to do. I, I like, we'll go to the movie okay. as a reward. Yeah. Um, your favorite restaurant or style of cuisine? Uh, Thai food. I really uh, like Night Market and Jitlada and Hollywood. Okay. Um, your favorite weekend getaway? Uh, Palm Springs. Okay. Um, 
who is your favorite writer and what is the best thing they've ever written in your opinion? Whoa. Uh, great question. Um, how in my head? Favorite writer, best thing they've ever written. Can I come back to this one? Sure. Okay. Um, well, here's an easy one. What's the best thing you've ever written? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I, the best thing I've ever written. Um, I wrote a pilot with a friend a long time ago when I thought I could do, um, when I thought I could be like a co-writer with a friend uh-huh. called Moon Baby, which I'm still obsessed with. It's like this guy has, has all this debt, uh, and his bookie's coming after him and he has to get the hell out of town. And it's like in the near future where we have inhabited the moon. So he gets, he grabs his wife. They like just jump on a little shuttle, go to the moon to get away from it all. And when they land, they're in like even bigger trouble because somebody named Warren Moon has become like a dictator on the moon. And <laughs> it's, a really crazy, it's a really crazy pilot. And uh, that's like, I, when I wrote it, I was like, this is it. And then it didn't go anywhere. Uh, so I was dead wrong, but I still like love it. It didn't go anywhere with Warren Moon running the moon. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. How could that not <laughs> go anywhere? I don't know. Maybe it's time to like resend it out. <laughs> Especially if you um, could get Warren Moon to play Warren Moon. I, that's a, yeah. I mean, what's he doing? Right? He's kind of yeah. hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. If you couldn't be a writer, what would be your second dream job? Television executive. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, when I was a kid, I always felt like I could also do that. Like when I think when I realized that Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers, I was like, oh, you could like spin off everything. And then like, uh, I don't know. I always felt like it'd be an easy job. I think the schmoozing and like, actually, uh, I don't think I could do that stuff. But like, I could hear an idea and be like, okay, that's good. Let's buy it. Right. Um, who or what is your inspiration? Uh, who or what is my inspiration? Um, I think, uh, I mentioned that earlier when I bonded a meeting, but, uh, Lord Miller, I feel like are like very inspirational to me. Like, um, they, everything they do is like, oh, that's a terrible idea. And then it ends up being like amazing. And I'm just right. like, shit. I don't like, sorry for saying the S word. No, no. I'm just very surprised every time I see something they do, even though I know they're great. And uh, I'm really sad like we couldn't see their, their Han Solo movie because they got fired uh, during right. it. Cause I think mm-hmm. maybe it could have been great. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, yeah, I think maybe, maybe dating back to like that other question of like favorite writer, I think it's them. And I think it was like, the pilot for Clone High. I think an idea like that crazy. Do you, are you familiar with that pilot? No, I've never read that pilot. Oh, it's I, it was a, it was a show on MTV for one season, and it mm. was animated. But it was basically like, and um, this government agency takes DNA from every famous person in the history of uh, of the history of history, right? And basically clones them into. Uh, like a teenager and throws them all in high school. So like JFK is like this jock, Abraham Lincoln, like the loser. Um, 
Cleopatra is like the like the hot girl and like Joan of Arc is like the the weird girl and like it's so funny and uh, it totally shouldn't work but it totally does. That's funny. They need to include Warren Moon <laughs> somewhere in they there. They do need to include Warren Moon, yeah. They they bring it, they should bring it back like a Futurama kind of thing. Um, they really should. Yeah. Um you had mentioned you had written the Warren Moon. I'm just going to refer to it as the Warren Moon script. Uh, sure. You, you had mentioned you had written that with uh, a co-writer before uh-huh. you had realized that co-writing is not necessarily uh, up your alley kind of thing. What was it about yeah. writing with a co-writer that sort of didn't work with your sensibilities or was it just the writing partner that you had had? Um, I, I've tried it a few times and I, I always really enjoy the collaboration and enjoy like the process of working with that person. I think it was, um, get, I think it's like, I like to move really fast and get a lot done in a small amount of time so I can keep going on to the next thing. And I didn't think, I don't think anybody I've actually collaborated with has been like ready to just go, go, go. Like, 24 hours a day. Let's just focus on this. There's no time for other stuff, which is a problem I have because like, I obviously don't like that question you had, like, how do I celebrate finishing something? I think mm-hmm. the, the problem is I just kind of jump onto something else and don't really celebrate. I just keep moving. Right. Um, so that, yeah, I feel like we, we all have a little bit of time in, in this career. Not that like, not that we're going to die, but like it could end at any moment. Um, so I'm just trying to do as much work as possible in a small amount of time and do it as good as I can. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, like there was, there was no like plan B for me. I say that like I'd be a network executive, but like there was nothing else I was ever really excited about. And I think, you know, everybody, everybody I know has like other interests and other hobbies and stuff. And my problem is that this was it. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. fortunately for you, it worked out. That's awesome. I mean, obviously, you, you know, uh, built your career. I want to say in a sort of well thought out, planned way, but obviously, from coming from your your the town you did and not having sort of that guidance, you kind of had to figure it out on your own. But um, right, you got to thank your mom for that wheel of fortune uh, suggestion. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I said yes. Um, I didn't tell you earlier, but um. What- when I was a child, uh, basically, I was growing up in San Diego uh, for the beginning of my life, and my mom is from Mexico and my dad's from New Jersey, but she um, basically saw the writing on the wall that I was like kind of losing a association with my heritage of being Mexican, and she was like, Chris, you got to spend more time in Mexico, and I was like, yeah, right. I was like, they don't even have cable TV down there. I'm not going to go down there, uh, and I was just like not not like being a good Mexican. I was like not eating salsa, chilaquiles, nothing like that. And I was just like not into my grandparents, none of that stuff. And I was just like losing, losing the thread of like where I'd come from. And uh, we used to go down for like one or two days every summer. And one, uh, one summer we went down and I, we were at my grandmother's house and they don't speak English and I don't speak Spanish. And I come out of the bathroom and like, there's like a duffel bag by the door. And I was like, where's my mom? And they're like, said, boy, like she left. And I was like, oh no. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, where did she go? And they're like, I 
the flip out of San Diego. Like she went back to San Diego and like, I was like, for how long? And they were like, Fada, like, uh, man, I don't know. So like the whole summer and I was like, Oh my God. And I like ran out to the street and like her car was gone. And I was just like, she basically just abandoned me with my grandmother in Mexico. And for like 90 days, I just like had to live in Mexico and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I just like wandered the streets all day and like tried not to die. And uh, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's like changed my entire like life. I was like a jerk kid who like just became like, Oh, I realized at a young age, like I was like a, I was a, I was a bad guy in like my own story. So I had to become a better person. And then like, you know, I ended up learning Spanish, getting like a pretty sweet tan and uh, becoming friends with my grandmother, who I never thought I'd be friends with, because at that time she was like Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, that. So my mom also like ditching me in Mexico, kind of like also was a crazy gamble that paid off. Uh, and I wrote a pilot about that, which has got me uh, that got me on the good place. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I was going to say that needs to be written down. I was thinking feature. Because there's obviously yeah. growth and resolution and all this and that, but no, I mean that I, I was thinking in my head I could see it. So yeah, yeah, this yeah, it's actually in development um, at uh, Disney Plus right now. Oh wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll make it a show, but um, right now it's a pilot. No, that's awesome. Um, what are a few of the things that you know now that if you could, you'd go back and tell younger Christopher? Uh, as he was just getting started on his screenwriting journey to help him out? Uh, this all predates to how I don't know how to have fun. I would say, like, I would say relax a little bit more. Like, let the ideas kind of come to you. There was a lot of times when I was like, uh, I don't know what the next thing is. And the first idea that would come into my head, I would just start writing it. And then I would, like, waste, like, two two weeks to, like, two months on that kind of thing. Um you know, you don't always have to write the first thing that comes to your mind. Like, you should be as excited about it as you hope others are going to be excited about it. Uh, and, like, write kind of the thing that you want to see on TV. I, I've, I've gone through, like, ups and downs of being, like, what could, like, actually sell? What is on TV that I should try to emulate? And I think that's always a problem because it, it changes so quick, um, all of that stuff. And I think you know, be somehow work a part of your personality into your scripts, but also just write something that you think you want to see, like what your favorite shows and, you know, just doing something along those lines mm -hmm. uh, is important. And that's not something I was like really in tune with at the time. I think, you know, when you first get out here, everyone has a million, a million different pieces of advice for you. It's like when you're getting married and, People are telling you all the things you need to do. Take everybody's advice with a grain of salt. I've definitely like just not taken any advice at times and just gone my own route, which has backfired, but it's also paid off. So just trust your gut and uh, write what you want to see. Right. What has been the yeah. most rewarding experience uh, of your TV career thus far? Um, the most rewarding experience. Um, it was probably... Uh, the first like week at, on my block at the, at the good place. Again, there was like, there's like 13, 14 writers. And like, when we were like in a real jam, like Mike would like look to his lieutenants, which is like Jen Stasky or Megan Amram or like um, Joe. And 
you know, that person would probably have a pretty good answer for him. But the first week of all my block, we were like in a jam and uh, Lauren Unrich, the showrunner, looked right at me with a big problem. And I looked behind myself because I was like, oh, somebody else has the answer. <laughs> and I, re- I realized there was nobody behind me. It was like just me. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, and then I just like came up with the answer and it worked. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, I can be better at this. Uh, and then over the course of that show, like I was like, when the creators would like leave to go like work on rewriting a script or something, they would like leave me in charge of like running a room. And I was very terrified to do that because it is uh, an entirely different skill that I had never really practiced. Um, but I immediately like kind of took to it and really enjoyed it and feel like it's something that I can do moving forward that I really enjoy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, that probably coincides with uh, my next question, which is, which is sort of the reverse of that. And what has been the most challenging experience? Challenging experience. I would say two things. One thing is um, the rejection that you're constantly getting at all times. Because mm-hmm. uh, once you get to a certain place, like once you get like a manager, an agent, uh, I guess an agent if they ever come back you're like, you're already at this happy place where you're like, Oh my God, I'm set. Like I have these people working for me. Now it's just going to be like easy living. Like it's going to be so nice. And then you still have to like get a job. Right. And um, my first two staffing meetings, I, um, I did not get. And then I thought like, I thought that's it. I thought like you get two strikes and then it's over. Um, But you just kind of have to get used to it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shows. There's a lot of personalities. You're not going to gel with everyone. Even something you think you're perfect for, like maybe you're not. Like I went out for Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I was like, I am so perfect for this show. And in the meeting, I realized like I wasn't perfect for it. And that was a bummer. And as soon as I walked out, I was like, wow, I didn't get it. And I was really sad about it. But then, you know, it's okay. Because if I would have gotten it, I wouldn't have gotten on the good place. And then I wouldn't have gotten on my block. So who knows? Like I could have just fizzled out and I think everything happens for a reason. And it's like it's kind of uh, something good to take forward with me, which is like, you know, sometimes you don't get stuff and that's okay. Um, and another, another challenging thing was uh, I think my first day on set, I didn't realize my first day on set of like producing my own episode. I don't think I realized how many things were happening at once on mm-hmm. set. And like, you know, you have like four little monitors and, all of a sudden it's kind of somebody like will turn to you and be like, Oh, did you catch that on monitor two? And you're like, Oh my God, like in your brain, you're just spiraling. You're like, I was only looking at monitor one. And I think just like uh, broadening your broadband almost is something uh, I had to get used to. And now I've done four episodes now. I think I'm finally getting the hang of it, but mm-hmm. it's still a new challenge. Cause like, you know, for all the aspiring writers that are listening Right now, it's like focus on like getting your scripts right, like finding your voice, hopefully getting it to somebody that can help you get a meeting or something. But then everything moves really fast after that. Like once you get staff and you're in the room, you have to like gel with all these personalities. You have to like be a good a good writer who's also contributing and like helping other people. And then one day you're going to be on set and you're going to have to produce your episode. Hopefully they'll allow you to produce your episode. 
and you're gonna have to like just have this entirely new skill set very fast and like you know if you ever if your friends are ever producing something or I used to do a lot of like sketch comedy but I was not paying attention on set to anything actually important besides the jokes and like you know just if anybody ever invites you like go check it out there's so much going on there's so many things you can learn from just being on set for like an hour um but it's a skill set that like a lot of none of the books tell you like to even think about that. They're just telling you about structure and about uh, plot points. So I right. would, uh, it's, it's something I wasn't ready for, but I'm glad that now I kind of understand that it's a big part of it. Right. And you've covered a lot already. So you may have, have uh, expended most of your wisdom already, but uh, lastly, do you have, any other advice for those emerging TV writers out there, or is there anything else you want to share with them? Uh, uh, um, oh, I did a lot of uh, writers groups. Mm. Like, right. I just always wanted to be writing, but always wanted to be getting feedback. Cause like, even if like, <laughs> sometimes you'll think you wrote the most brilliant thing ever, like Warren Moon and Moon baby pilot and you know until somebody else reads it and it's like oh this is terrible you're never gonna know so you know um i think just finding like if hopefully you have some friends that also want to be writers uh not everyone does but like um just finding other people that want to do the same thing you want to do and like giving each other feedback and just taking in advice and help from everybody and just even if it's a bad note, just like, you know, listen to the note, think about it. And, you know, you don't have to put it in at the end of the day, it's your script. But I think those writer scripts like really helped me in the beginning, kind of like realize that all my, what I thought was a brilliant idea was terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, and I was just like, I remember at the end of the day, this is all make-believe and uh, it's amazing. Even if like, I, it, it's just amazing to be part of this and even like chase this crazy dream. So never lose perspective on like how lucky we all are. Right. And once you get to that point, like, yeah, you know, lift up all boats. Like if some assistant asks you to read their scripts, like do it. Like I, I, I had friends that like were so scared, other assistants that were so scared to like show their scripts upper level writers and like th that was like not a fear I had I was like well who cares like if they don't like it then I'll quit <laughs> and uh <laughs> and like I just like some people would wait like two years and I was like I don't have two years I was I was always acting like I had like some kind of illness that was going to kill me at the end of the season right and so I was just like, I was just moving as fast as possible and like I didn't care if somebody didn't like it um I was just hoping to find somebody that would like it and then you know, that always, that always like opened a lot of doors for me. It was like reaching out to people above me and yeah, some, somebody's going to gel with what you're doing and you just got to find those people and find like a person that's going to champion your writing and right. that's going to like make a huge difference in your career. Thanks for coming on the show, Chris. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin, uh, for having me. Um, it was really fun. Sorry. I was like rambling a lot or talking too fast. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote on this whiteboard, don't talk too fast. And I, I feel like I broke this rule. Not at all. I speak really quickly as well. 
And be sure to follow Chris on Twitter. That's at Chris Encel. That's E-N-C-E-L-L. And if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>